Overall from the field, but he was also 50% from three. He's five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely, you're going to get that number one seed. And so I want him to be ranked in the number one. Eight. What is up? What is up? Let's play move around with the boxes <laughs> here for the Houston Cougars. Well, not for the Houston Cougars, for our final season episode of Let's Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family. The Saxonian family has been the primary sponsor of Let's Rage Coops for the entire men's basketball season from day one until whatever day this is, the final day of the season here on March 24th, 2000. 23 obviously we're coming off the heels of a brutal loss for the Houston Cougars basketball team who fell to Miami 89 to 75 in the sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament joining me as always Chris Gardner and Dayon Dunlap Chris how are you doing great how are you guys I'm doing great considering (laughs) (laughs) yeah all is well man all is well and we're going to bring in Akib Ghazi as well. Akib, how are you doing, man? I'm all right. Just, uh, just a little down. But, you know, it's March. It happens. These games happen. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it because really from talking to the players, I honestly haven't even gotten a chance to read Kelvin Sampson's post-case comments. But all the credit has got to be to Miami uh, from the get-go. It seemed like they were playing – um, with some pace and energy now, the difference between the first half and the second half was that Houston was able to match up offensively. But Miami, for the first time all season, back-to-back times, that opponents have put up 40-plus points in one in the first half against Houston. And this time, unlike Auburn, Miami didn't cool off, and they just kept pouring it on. And it, it, it felt like eerily similar to Auburn when Houston went on that 13-4 run. Uh, to get within 51 to 49, but then you know the the Miami Hurricane just answered with a 19 to 4 run, really spearheaded and led by the three point shots, and whoosh, big kudos, uh, major props to Nigel Pack, who I mean he hit some crazy deep threes that really were daggers. Every single three pointer that was made was daggers against Houston, and I mean the Cougars just could not respond they had no answer they couldn't make an additional run and and it's Miami advancing to the elite eight to the back-to-back years for them and Houston that is going home Nigel Pack was a difference in the game Nigel Pack made threes in the first half he made threes in the second half unlike Auburn second half Miami made three pointers in the second half some of them were tough you know kudos to him the Cougs got it to two got it to three then Nigel Pack happened he had three threes, less than two minutes, and that was it. You know, the Cougs, they were, they were, they were stunned at those threes. And why, you know, why not? Some of them were deep. And then other guys hit threes. Miami shot a season best percentage against Houston, almost 52% overall. They were 44% from three. And at one point, the Cougs were 0 for 8 in the second half from three. And Nigel Pack had three himself. Miami made five threes in the second half, six in the first half. 
they beat the Cougs with offense. And, Andy, as you touched on it, not many teams score 40 points and a half against Houston, and they did it both times. Yeah, I thought um, – I mean, same thoughts, Chris. Uh, it's just – I felt like at a point after Houston went on that run in the second half, um, and then Nigel Pack just opened up a barrage of threes, and from there on it, it became cont- contagious for the rest of the team. I think Miller was hitting threes as well. Um, and that's this is a good three-point – that was a good three-point shooting team, like 37 38% as a team. So that's already tough as it is, but I just felt like um, – Offensively, you got what you, the, you got the looks that you wanted. Um, up until I guess when Miami started hitting those threes, it was just kind of like, what what were you gonna do after that? Because some of those threes are just from the logo, and some of them were just heat check threes, and they just couldn't miss. And yeah. oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, man, you got it. go ahead, man. Now for me, I, I put this. It was the turnovers. The turnovers really stood out to me in Miami's ability to get points off of those turnovers, especially in the first half. That's what really stood out to me. And um, I think Houston's inability to stop their transition offense really plagued them as well because when they focused on getting back, Miami did a great job of moving the ball and getting some quality shots. Uh, outside of Nigel Pack's deep threes, which you can kind of quote-unquote call it a bad shot, make a miss, or whatever the case may be, but he made them. And so – for me, it, it was more about the turnovers and the transition defense. And Houston really didn't have any low post presence um, you know, in that game. It, everything was on the outside. The Cougs only had, I mean, only the relative, six turnovers in the first half. That's not bad. It's a little bit higher than Houston's average for, you know, roughly four per half, four, four and a half per half. But Miami scored 15 points off those six turnovers it was 15 zip points off turnovers in the first half that's hard to do i mean most coaches like it to get you know one point per turnovers miami almost got three points per turnover that's unheard of but we talked at halftime a lot of folks at halftime the coups were lucky forced it to be only down six at halftime Miami scored the first five points, second half, down 11. Richard Cheney came in the game. Juwan Roberts did not have it tonight. Norshed or Mir, he was a better big man, a better 6'7 post player. He took it to Juwan Roberts. Cheney came in, second half was a spark, helped the Cougs go on a 13-4 run to get back in the game. But then Nigel Pack said, not tonight, we're not Auburn. And just started raining threes, and then his teammates hit threes. And the Cougs, they could not get stops. You know, they couldn't get unscripted points. And, you know, I'm not – this is this is like Jim Nance told us when he's walking back to get ready for the second game. It's March Madness. It's one and done. You know, one team gets hot, one player gets hot. That's all it takes. And salute to Nigel Pack. He was a better guard tonight. He was the best guard on the floor tonight. And Miami won because of him. Also in that first half, I don't think Jamal, he didn't have any points. Maybe had four assists in that first half, but in that second half, he really stepped up and kind of sparked um, that run. But the first half, he just wasn't like himself. I mean, Agreed. Yeah, at all. In, in that first half, he was really wasn't like himself turning it over, wasn't really aggressive. And so that he came out in the second half and definitely 
and played a lot better. But that first half, I think Houston probably should have rolled Tremont a little bit more in that first half. Maybe just call more plays. Everything he got, his eight quick points, was all in the flow of the game. And so it wasn't like ISO. I think he hit two kickout threes um, for Marcus, and he got a mid-range pull-up. But when he when he was hot early on, I think maybe Houston could have slowed the game down a little bit and played through him a little bit more. But um, that first half, Jamal definitely wasn't himself. Agreed. You know, he looked out of breath. He looked out of – I mean, he, like he was struggling to catch his wind. Conditioning was poor. The turnovers were, were uncharacteristic for, for him as well. And, and he and Coach Sampton touched on a little bit as, as uh, in, in the postgame comments that Jamal just was unlike himself in that first half. And, you know, Dewan Roberts only had two rebounds for the whole game. He didn't have it tonight for whatever reason. Um, let's see, Coach Sampson, a quote, Dewan Roberts had two rebounds. He's our best rebounder. Jamal's live ball turnovers early in that stretch in the first half is unlike him. You know what? We didn't play very good, and they did. So, I mean, hey, that's it right there. And the two things that we do the best at is offensive rebounding and forcing turnovers and then also getting points off turnovers. We did none of that. So, like, if you're not going to have that in your game, it's going to be very difficult for Houston to win because I felt like every time Miami was hitting their threes, we tried matching power uh, – uh, you know, we're trying to match – Three for three. Three for three. And, like, in the first half, it worked a little bit. I think we were just a little more hot. And I think we had maybe a couple, maybe a one one extra three than they did in the first half even. Mm-hmm. But that second half is like the Nigel Pack and and Wong, those guys, those guys are just, those guys are elite shooters. You're not gonna you're not gonna match fire for fire for fire with them. So it's just, I thought I, right after um, Nigel Pack was hitting those threes, and we tried having you know uh, got some of our guys hit threes, and we did at the beginning, and from there on, it's like you can't. If if we kept, I felt like we could have stayed in the game if we kept going to what Shed was doing earlier, trying to get into the paint, get some buckets. But we, they should, they credit to Miami though, they shut all that down. They packed the paint. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely packed the paint. I, I think it was more of the inability to stop them. I think that's when Houston has gotten to the floor and have the record that they have because they've been able to stop teams and really couldn't really string together um, consecutive stops, stops yep. in a row. Mm-hmm. To, to, to get in there, I mean, we did in it to start after they went on, I think, what, scored five or six points in the second half. We stringed together a couple stops. I think Jamal got an and one and made a couple plays, but it wasn't like how Houston normally plays, getting consecutive stops. Miami just was in the rhythm that entire game. It didn't seem like Houston disrupted their rhythm but disrupted anything that Miami wanted to do offensively. And Jarris, I was expecting Jarris to be more physical because he had a guard on him the entire game. He had a guard on him the entire game, in which I know he hasn't really been a physical player. He's not really a physical player. But with that mismatch that he had, I, I think he could have exposed it a little bit more. Jarris had a lot of shots around the, around, the, around the rim. You know, missed layups, missed layups. Um yeah, and there were gimmicks. There were some that that you know when you think of, I mean, a 
you always hear when you're going up professionally, like, oh, use the backboard, but at some of those stuff, they just rend in and out. It, it really it was kind of just a a microcosm of what kind of game it was for Houston, and, and some of those could have really changed the tide for Houston when Miami was making their run. But honestly, it was just, again, kind of the way that game was going for the Hurricanes. Oh, and the case in point, Jared missed a few shots around the rim. They were shots rolled off. Omir had what a, juggled the ball, bobbled the ball, tossed in a, a banked in a what fifteen footer, and I was I was like, yep, it's Miami's night. It's just one of those things, man. That's one of those nights, which goes back to it's March Madness. This is not a series, not three out of five, four out of seven. If these teams played a, a seven game series, it might go four or three Houston. But tonight, it's one game. Miami was a better team tonight. And, Dion, you were in, in postgame with Coach Sampson. Houston's a good team. Miami's a good team. Tonight, Miami's a better team. And, hey, that's, that's what it comes down to. Other three number one seeds lost, too. So, you know, so I haven't seen any comments from Kook fans, disappointed Kook fans in the thread so far. This is not a bust of a season. Come on. This, this, this is not a bust. I want to you know, put hold that hold hold that thought, Chris. Hold that thought because we do need to take a a sponsor break. We'll get into some of the comments on the other side and on the topic of Jared Walker. We do have a clip from him where um, it wasn't. It's not breaking news or anything, but it's officially official that that Jared Walker will be declaring for the NBA draft. But of course. First, we'd like to thank our sponsors, beginning with Hoop and Holler. Hoop and Holler is the Houston Cougars Micro Collective. Hoop and Holler is the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, such as the Ryan Elvin, DeAnthony Jones, and also Layla Blair, who has done a name, image, and likeness deal with Hoop and Holler. And of course, we also want to say thank you to Star Pizza with three different locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop for pizza. Be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net where you can check out their online menu and order online to just stop and pick up Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 1976. Of course, we also like to say thank you to BB's. BB's is... BB's Texas Orleans is the Cajun Cajun New Orleans steamed restaurant with a unique Texas twist featuring selections inspired by Cajun food. BB's cuisine is what they call what they like to call Tex Orleans. Visit them online at bbstexorleans.com and making their debut on Let's Rage Cougs. A big thank you to Harding Real Estate. Harding is owned by Vincent Harding, a proud University of Houston alumnus and former U of H homecoming king and massive UH athletics fan and season ticket holder. If you are thinking of buying or selling a house, please contact Harding Real Estate at 832-758-2712. Harding Real Estate is rooting for the Cougs regardless of season all the time. And of course, like I said, let's get into some of these comments in particular in regards to Jarvis Walker. We were on the topic of Jarvis Walker and I do like to remind that for the first time ever, there's a lot of firsts on today's episode of Let's Rage Coops, but the comment section is presented by Lazarin Law Firm. Uh, Dan Lazarin founded the Lazarin Law Firm to provide legal representation who have been injured or arrested in the greater Houston area. Dan Lazarin understands that bad things sometimes happen to good people. Worst false allegations are made every day with offices in Houston and Sugarland. Dan is equipped to handle your legal needs in Harris County and surrounding counties, including Fort Bend County here in Texas. If you have been injured or find yourself in other legal trouble, 
legal trouble, call Lazarin Law Firm at 281-720-8551 or visit Dan online at www.lazarinlawfirm.com for a consultation. But I did want to get the comments and Chris, any ones that stick out, um, I see Red 05 says great season, should be in contention for the Final Four again next year. Of course, a lot of people are talking about how how tough of a loss it was. But here's a comment I wanted to get to. Justin Singleton, did y'all hear that Jarvis Walker declared for the NBA draft? For the NBA, he put shaking my head at the end of the comment. Uh, I'm not sure why he said shaking my head, but, I mean, that's something that we've known since the moment he got here, and, and I know right. it kind of stirred up when Kelvin Sampson uh, said it on his radio show three weeks ago, which I think more anything, I was more surprised with the candidness of Kelvin Sampson um, that he would put it up. But, you know, we knew when he first joined the Houston, he was going to be a one-and-done player. Now, before we discuss his future in the NBA, I do want to go to a clip with Jess Walker, and here's what he had to say following Houston's loss to Miami in the Sweet 16. That edge, that grit, I mean, how hard I play now. Um, it's just all things that I didn't really do before I came to kind of coach Sampson and stuff that in me. So just keeping that that hard hat on, always ready to work each and every day just to get better. Even when I don't feel like it, I feel like I'll, I'll keep that with me forever. I'm sorry if you didn't ask this already, but can you just talk a little bit about Sasser and kind of the impact he left on Houston? I mean, it was major. I mean, just him coming back when he definitely could have left and got drafted, just – just talks about what kind of man he is. I mean, he's he's humble, he's unselfish. I mean, it's everything that he's done for the city and the program. Um, it's amazing in the years that he's been here, and I'm, I know Houston loves him, and he loves him too. So I'm just I'm just so proud of him and the run he made. Do you have any any moment or a story of y'all together that you'll kind of maybe take with you and remember forever? Um, I remember when his car broke down. Uh, Gavi, it was late. He had to walk in the dark all the way back to the gym, but it was a good little walk. Like we, we just have so many moments together. Like this is one of them. I can't remember too many off the top of my head, but I mean that's my brother. That's my brother for life. So from a, from a basketball point of view, <clears throat> is this the saddest day of your life? That, yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever cried this much after a loss. Like just knowing that it was my last. Like we just got so close so quick. Like, we done been through so much so fast. Like, it's like when I call these people my brothers, like, I really mean that. Like, each and every one of them. So, I, like, in terms of my basketball career, that's how I'm not for the different So, you shed some tears? Most definitely. So, grown men do cry? I would say that. I call myself a man. I just cry my ass off. Jeers, the, um, it comes quick, but the next few months for you, feel like it'll be pretty whirlwind in terms of the things that you have to to go through, you know, you're going to have to do workouts, you're going to go to college, that kind of stuff. Just have you sort of maybe prepared yourself a little bit for, for what's going to come? Yeah, most definitely. That's that's what this school does. It just prepares you for the next level, um, just in terms of 
how hard it is, how fast the game is played, um, what the coaches expect from you. So, I mean, that's really why I came here. It was just to get prepared for the next level, and I feel like they definitely, they definitely got that done for me. Did any of your guys say anything to you after this one that will, you know, sort of stick with you? I mean, just stuff that, they, I mean, I already know. Like they just said, they love me and they're going to miss me. They appreciate everything. Like it's, it's been a good, fun ride. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's just something I'll never forget. So once again, that was Houston Cougars forward, Jarris Walker. And of course, I need to bring up this comment from King Jaja. He says, Jarris needs development, but he is a lottery pick. He has to go, which obviously that's, that's you know, I t- tend to agree with that assessment. I'm curious to get your thoughts uh, on that comment by King Jaja, which again, that co- today's comment section here on La Trich Cougs is sponsored by the Lazarin Law Firm. A big thank you to them. But I mean, who'd like to take it? Because I agree with King Jaja. I think certainly when you look at Jarris Walker's intangibles and just overall his his body and uh, kind of coincidentally his body and his body of work, he shows flashes where he can be that NBA type lottery pick. But it very definitely still needs to to be polished up in order to be consistent at the next level. He's a top five pick in, in most of the projections. He has to go. I don't believe oh, he's most definitely. I don't believe he's ready right now to have immediate impact in the NBA. But he's a top five once again. He's a top five projected lottery pick. He has to go. So, and that was expected. We touched on this. I think early in addition of one of these less rage cougs, I asked a question to you guys, the panel, and the audience. If the Cougs become a five, if the Cougs become a one and done program, would that change how you look at the program? Because Jarris might not be the, the last one and done coach Sampson and the staff get to come to Houston. So this is another part of the development of the program is one and done. But Jarris being a lottery pick, he's got to go. You know, none of us are surprised that he decided he made it official that he declared, he declared for the draft. Good luck to him. Um, the Cougs will take a step back without him in some form or fashion. There'll be a different team next year because Marcus will be gone, Jess will be gone, Cougs will be in the Big 12, all of those little different things. But they'll still be a good team for one very basic reason. Kelvin Sands will be the coach. So they'll still be a good team. Yeah, he's definitely going to – He's he, he has to go. Like, if you're, if you're anywhere in that 14, one of the 14 range – and you're a lottery pick pick as a freshman, like it's it's undeniable. And like even Kooks fans shouldn't be saying oh SMH or he's a fraud or this and that. Like it's he <laughs> like it, you you're gonna you're gonna ha- like it, you you have to think about your own future as well. And the NIL is great. I mean, it's starting to be good for some players, but it, that's not it's not enough for a, someone like a freshman, Jairus Walker. We don't know what his situation is financially. Like. I mean that's like a no-brainer to me, but I just I just like how he he proved me wrong because I thought at the beginning of the season just you know seeing his his talent I thought he athletically he was a beast physically he you know he was a monster but then I thought he needed some development but even right now he he showed he showed even throughout the tournament these three games like just snippets of how he's he's a lottery pick and I'm sure he he proved a lot of people wrong as well early in the season. And also, just to quickly piggyback your point before Dayon, you you make yours. But no, absolutely, there is no nothing in the name, image, and likeness market, especially with the Houston Cougars, that can match a top five NBA draft salary. But <laughs> I, I digress. Go ahead, Dayon. 
Yeah, I mean, like you guys, I agree. He must go, but just projecting him to the next level, I think he. It really just depends on, of course, the fit and where he goes in regards to um, him being able to have an impact as a rookie. I, I like his skill set. It, it's going to translate well to the next level as a stretch for someone who can guard guards and, in some cases, guard some bigs. And um, But I, I like his game. I Like he said, I think he's going to take the toughness and the culture that Houston provided him and the things that he learned at Houston will help him at the next level. I don't think he would have to defend as hard at Houston. I mean, in the NBA, like he did at Houston, because especially in the regular season, no one really plays defense. But offensively, I like his game. I think he can um, become probably even a more efficient shooter. I think he can become a little bit more tough or more physical, especially when he has mismatch in the NBA. They switch a lot, so he's going to have a lot of guards on him. And I think he should be able to just back him down, put his shoulder in their chest. Use his physicality, his his, um, his strength, and at times. But I, I like his projection. I think he has the potential to be um, an all star in the NBA. I, I really like his game. I love today the way he played, just rebounding, assists, making plays. He didn't have a ton of points. I think he, what did he have? Actually, uh, ended up being the team leader in points because of the yeah, the ball situation at the end. Yeah, sixteen. But, he had sixteen points, but. Everything else he did from just for playmaking and rebounding. I think at the next level, we'll see even more of his playmaking and his ability to handle the ball because the floor is more space. You can't just stand in the paint three seconds, defense three seconds. So I really like his game. I like his projection at the next level. And just I did a quick look at the rookie scale lottery, basically five to 14. The salaries, first year salaries range from six million to three million. First year. That's not 800,000. That's quite a bit more than 800K that Andrew Pack got from Miami. Okay. Just a little bit. So, yeah, 6 million to 3 million. So, just to keep that in mind. So, a lottery pick, good luck to Jairus. Um, no surprise that he's, he's gone and he's declaring for the draft. I'm kind of curious to see how the Cougs uh, replace him and move forward and whether they hit the transfer portal or if any guys decide to leave or, or just transfer themselves and all those different things. Hey, you know. The Coos, but the Coos will be fine. They're going to lose probably more games next year because of being in the Big 12. But they'll still go to the tournament. They'll still have a chance to get to the Sweet 16. And then who knows what will happen. Chris, real quickly, since obviously you you cover the Rockets much more in depth than any of us, but I'm, what what kind of do you see Jarrett Walker's kind of uh, – M- obviously it's hard to predict what his career is going to be, but obviously as a rookie – what do you see potentially that first year being? Because, I mean, looking at the most recent first-round draft pick for Houston, Quentin Grimes has developed into a really solid role player for the New York Knicks. Uh, Jarvis should be, should have, certainly has a much higher ceiling than Quentin, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. It depends on the team that selects him. You know, one issue, of course, going high in lottery is you're going to a bad team, you know, and bad teams are bad for a reason. They have a lot of holes that need to be filled. Um, so Rockets, Rockets probably wouldn't get him. On, on the on the Rockets, if he somehow went to mm-hmm. the Rockets, do you, I, I feel like that would be, me speaking, I feel like that would be a bad fit for him in terms of being able to maximize his development. But Chris, what, what say you? Agreed, but also if, if they got him, that means they lost out and fell in the draft because he's, yeah. you know, ranging top, you know, five to 
10 or 12 range. And that means Rockets have lost the lottery, lost Wimby sweepstakes and all those kind of things. And then the Rockets have to decide if they want to trade down, you know, from five and get more picks or something like that, or get a veteran player to have an, an impact because Tillman went, wants to start winning with the Rockets. And he's tired of going lottery, lottery, lottery and having so many youngsters on the team. So we'll see. But Jarrett's the Rockets probably too, too many young players already on the team. So I wouldn't, would not be a good fit for him here. And then we'll go from there. He might have to spend some time, not a lot, but some time in the G League to get some games in and consistent minutes because based on the team he goes to, he probably won't get consistent minutes with a lot of rookies need to improve the development in the NBA that first year. I see him being as um, a great a great role player. Probably, uh, obviously, it's way too early to say exactly, but I don't see him being like the top two or three options. But he's got, he can be that guy that can help you win a championship in the future, just because of the uh, what he presents to you on defense. And then he still has he can knock down shots. He has a handle. Like, well, who wouldn't you know? What GM wouldn't want that? But as far as like the Rockets go. <laughs> I think culturally the Rockets are like they're not a good fit just because, like Chris said, they have too many young players. They, I they haven't found an identity yet, you know. Culturally, just you know, with uh, Coach Silas, you know, being a new coach, um, and we don't even know if he can if Coach Silas is gonna last. So, I'd like to see him. Obviously, he's gonna be a, a lottery pick. I just would wouldn't want. I mean, personally, I would I would love to have him on the Rockets, but. I don't think it would work out fit wise and to be able to maximize his talent. I don't think it yeah. would, it would work out either. I think an interesting team, like if you were to end up going to Orlando, uh, Portland possibly could be some interesting possibilities uh, for Jarrett Walker as well, but obviously still only time will tell. And like we all, we're all in, in agreement that it's very clear that that's the best decision for him to be able to head into the NBA draft. It's a no brainer. So congratulations to him as well, and and really helping the Houston Cougars to get up to this point. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch his journey at the next level. But real quickly before we transition and talk about, uh, I mean we still we still have to talk about Marcus Sasser and a lot of other things. But of course we'd like to thank everyone that is a sponsor of today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. We're going to start with the Saxonian family who, like I said, at the top of the show, they've been the primary sponsor since day one of the Let's Rage Cougs basketball season from November 7th or November 9th. I can't remember the first day of the season, but I know the game was against Northern Colorado all the way here to March 24th uh, when Houston fell in the Sweet 16 to Miami. It's been Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family. So, of course, big thank you to them for being the primary sponsor all season long. And, of course, we would like to thank our other partners, beginning with Harding Real Estate. Harding Real Estate is owned by Vincent Harding, a proud University of Houston alumnus, former U of H homecoming king, and a massive UH athletics fan and season ticket holder. In addition to being a real estate agent, he is also an attorney, and he wants you to know if you are thinking of buying or selling a house, please contact Harding Real Estate at 832-758-2712. Once again, that's 832-758-2712. 
And we also like to say thank you to BB's. BB's Texas Orleans is a Cajun New Orleans themed restaurant with a unique Texas twist featuring selections inspired by Cajun food. BB's cuisine is what they like to call Tex Orleans. Visit them online at bbstexorleans.com. And we thank them for being a partner on today's episode of Let's Reach Coops. And we'd also like to say a big shout out to Hoop and Holler, the Houston micro collective. Hoop and Holler is the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials with Ryan Elvin, DeAnthony Jones, and they've also done a name, image, and likeness deal with Layla Blair of the UH women's basketball team. And of course, our final partner for today's episode of Let's Rage Coop, Star Pizza, with three different locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go-to stop for pizza. Be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net, where you can check out their online menu and order online. Or or you can order online and just stop and pick up on the go. Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 1976. And, of course, we also need to talk about Marcus Sasser. Now, let's see if I can put up... The, the comment I saw um, from Justin Singleton, which, again, we like to remind everybody that today's comment section is sponsored by the Lazarin Law Firm. Dan Lazarin founded the Lazarin Law Firm Group to provide legal representation to individuals who have been injured or arrested in the greater Houston area. Dan Lazarin understands that bad things sometimes happen to good people. Worse, false allegations are made every day. And with offices in Houston and Triggerland, Dan is equipped to handle your legal needs in Harris County and surrounding counties, including Fort Bend County here in Texas. If you have been injured or find yourself in other legal trouble, call the Lazarin Law Firm at 281-720-720. 8551 or visit Dan online at com for a consultation. And on that note, Justin Singleton's comment, did Marcus Sasser improve his chances in the draft this season? Uh, for all intents and purposes leading into this season, it was clear that Marcus Sasser would have been taken in last year's draft had he declared and not come back. Now, it seemed like he would have been a second-round pick do you guys see that he did enough this season to work his way up to a first-round pick? No. No, but mock drafts I've seen, if so, it's, it's at the very end of the first round. I've seen him at the top of the second round. So that is a bit of an improvement from the 40s in last year's draft projectors for him. But there's you know so many guys coming out, international players as well. I have not seen him in very many mock drafts in the first round yet that might change based on combine performance, things like that. I thought last season he could have gone uh, late first round because of what he did in the combine. Um, he had, he had a great showing even, I think he was also hurt at the time too. And he still put on a good he performance. He was just coming off the, he was just, he was just coming. coming yeah. Age. Yeah. And he's, and he still played great in the combine. So um, in, in some of those scrimmage games. So I thought, if he, I think the, his best chance was always going to be leaving um, last season. Now, he I think he had mentioned the fact that you don't get these moments, you know, ever again. And and he really, I'm sure he really wanted to bring the championship home to Houston. Um, but yeah, like Chris said, I don't think he improved it. If if anything, he might have hurt it just a tad bit. Not much though. Like I saw, I did see one uh, mock draft where he, it had him falling a little bit to like mid mid second round. Versus like last season, he was kind of almost a lock for an early uh, second round pick. So um, definitely, I, I think it, it did hurt him just a tad bit, maybe, or it didn't. It might have not just hurt him at all, but it definitely didn't improve. I definitely think it improved it one hundred percent. I think he he improved his game all the way around. 
Um, he proved his handle. He showed that he can play on ball because that was a little bit question because throughout his Houston career, he primarily played off ball. So I think he showed teams that not only can he run the team, but he can also play off ball if he plays with a dynamic guard. For example, Kyrie Irving or Luka, whoever the case may be, he can play off the ball and he can guard guard the ball. So I, I think he helped his draft stock. I think um, just projecting to the next level, once you get in an NBA setting, NBA rules, his game is going to flourish even more because the floor is more spread and he can really beat his man off the dribble. We've seen how he can finish with either hand, left or the right. So I think not only did he prove as a player all the way around, I think he improved his draft stock as well. I don't pay attention to those mock drafts because all of that really doesn't really mean nothing. And so I in my opinion, from what I've seen him with, and um, in his game, I think he proved his game, and I think he improved his draft stock for sure. I know Dayon would love to see him in the Dallas Mavericks uniform, especially if they're able to re-sign Kyrie Irving in the offseason. I think that's an interesting point, because if I remember when Quentin Grimes declared for the draft two years ago, some mock drafts had him middle of the second round. and He was in no first-round mock drafts, none. Yeah, all it took was, was really Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks to fall in love with Quentin Grimes, especially with, I mean, kind of a similar pass just in terms of the the great two way player that he is. And, and, and I think Quentin Grimes is, is six foot five, Marcus is six foot one. Well, that's what I was going to say. Offensively, Quentin Grimes is a more diverse and better player offensively, I would say. But I think overall, Sasser did show improvements in certain areas, especially when it came to just being able to, to play and transition. Of course, he, he showed that he's one of uh, – he was certainly one of the better defenders in the conference. But I think it's tricky. I think he's still on that edge between top of the second round and I, I could see one team in late well, that's all first it takes. round pick. That's all it takes is one team to fall in love with him. I think he improved his game in, in some facets, but – there might be some team that say we, we can get him in the second round. Why give him guarantee money or three year, you know, a four year deal, two year options in the first round? Just get him second round and, and save money. Mr. Smith on the Lazarin comment section uh, says Sasser will be a G League guy next season. Sorry, Akib didn't mean to, to cut you off. No, I mean, I agree with Dayon. Like, he definitely improved his game. Um, I just don't think, like uh, Andy said, like, I don't see teams just banking on him and saying, oh, we need a scoop him in the first round because he's not going to have he's not going to be even though he's like he's a four-year senior fourth-year senior like teams can they're they'll be okay with waiting for him to fall to the second round uh and as far as like the difference between last season and this season he i'm i'm not i'm not denying him he didn't improve his game but um he didn't get to showcase like you know some of us were expecting him to drop 20 points a game um, obviously he didn't just because he didn't have to showcase that because of how well, you know, prepared Samson, you know, had the rest of the team. Cause we, you know, you had Jairus Walker scoring 10 a game. You had Jaywan scoring 10 a game. You had Shed scoring 10 a game. And, you know, you didn't need his, his 20 points per game scoring. I thought he could have improved the draft stock, but you know, I, it, you're not going to see it from uh, where he gets drafted. He he had you know he got he had the green light he had a lot of freedom, but it's still yeah. within Coach Sampson's system. So he wasn't going That's to, you know, jack up a whole bunch of threes, and he wasn't going to average twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five points a game. Yeah, this ain't Memphis. You know because you said it. I was I was going to say that, but you said that, and it's a system kind of thing. So Marcus may have a 
a solid NBA career with the right team. But, you know, he's he's a short guard. And we'll see some teams don't like short guards. So that's going to knock him off a few teams list. But in the case of Tom Thibodeau, it only takes one team, one coach, one GM to fall in love with a player. And the question will be, do they want to pay Marcus guaranteed millions of dollars as a first round pick or less guaranteed money as a high second round pick? I do do want to bring up this comment from Justin Singleton again. He says, what current UH players over the past few years, except for Grimes, have been successful on the next level? And I think uh, it's a little bit different with both Walker and, and Sasser that are going to be entering the draft this year for Houston. I mean, well, those two guaranteed will be in the draft. But, you know, you think back to guys like Nate Hinton and Armani Brooks, who, I mean, honestly, it, it was – well, at least from the case of Nate Hinton, where I can speak of, it was much more of a shock that he stayed in the NBA draft. He, it seemed like originally he was just going to test the NBA waters and see what people said about him, and he chose to to stay. Yeah, similar with, with Brooke. Yeah, can I say one thing? I don't, I don't think that's a fair question to ask because um, look at the guys that Samson basically had to recruit to the, to the UH team all these years. It's not these guys that are top 100. Now We're just now getting all these top 100 guys but it's you know it's not fair to say hey look at Armani and look at uh Rob Gray and look at all these these other guards that came into because these guys were some of them were Juco players some of them were not even top 100 players so I mean the fact that they even got looks from the NBA G League team some of them still on G League G League teams like that says a lot about you know how good a actually how great a program you know Houston is because even some of the some of these blue blood programs or some of these programs that recruit top 10, like easily they get two, three guys in the top 10. Like some of them don't even have people going, you know, guys going to the NBA. And who don't have successful NBA careers. Yeah. It's an evolution of talent in the program. You know, Jarris Walker is the first lottery pick that this staff has signed. He won't be the last. Okay. Armani Brooks, Rob Gray, Galen Robinson, Nate Hinton were good college players. They're not NBA players, especially good NBA players, starting NBA players. Getting Quinn Grimes to come here was a start of getting NBA caliber, you know, you know, players game in, game out. Damian Dotson was a second round pick, no longer in the NBA. But Jarris Walker is the start of a new type of player that Houston is getting. You know, earlier in the year, after his four made three is against Oregon, Terrence Arsenault was considered a a, a draft pick because of potential. Jess Walker's lottery pick because of potential, not because of of what he did a lot this year, but you can see he's a very good passer. That's a, a skill he'll have a chance to showcase more on the NBA level. But the Coach Sampson system is still a college system with some NBA uh, offense sprinkled in here and there. NBA game, NBA offense, those guys will get more of an opportunity to showcase their NBA skill set. Coach Sampson runs a lot of NBA principal offense, which is primarily pick and roll, a lot of ghost screens just to get your best player in a pick and roll action. And so he allows his players the freedom to get busy, just not to have a high volume of shots. And so um, 
I think, I mean, I hear what you guys are saying. I just disagree with most of it, really. But in, in, in what sense? How many NBA caliber players have they have they signed before Jarris Walker? Well, you can say you, we, in hindsight, Quinn developed into an NBA caliber player. But when he got here in his first couple of years, no one was projecting or was saying, oh, he's an NBA player every time we've seen him on the court. And then that last season, how he developed into an NBA player and he developed into what he is now and which this, the stage of the NCAA tournament really, really helped him. And so um, – and then what I, I was saying about the top 100 players, I get his point and I understand what he's trying to say and I agree – with overall with what he's trying to say, but I don't think that equates to Marcus because Marcus is better than probably a hundred of the players that came out of his class. And so, but I get the gist of what he was trying to, what was saying and said. And so I understand it, but I really don't think that qualifies for Marcus, but overall from Houston perspective, I, they haven't got those type of players, which all of those players don't always pan out. And um, but I mean, we'll see. Only time will tell. I don't know. I just know talent. I know basketball. I know what my eyes tell me. I, I know the game. So, but we'll see. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. Real quickly on the on the yeah. topic of. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm not like discrediting Marcus's game or any of the guys that came out of this this Houston program, I'm just saying you're going to be limited as far as NBA talent goes because it's not – Yeah, and I don't I don't disagree that, oh, like you, you need to be a t uh, top 100 player. I'm not saying that. It's just it's less likely to have guys that are going to be drafted as high. But I'm just – I'm trying to make a, make a point that Houston puts out more NBA talent now than some of these other teams. Right. No, I agree with that. And – well, to, to kind of finish the NBA talk, uh, this is a question again from the Lazarin Law Firm uh, comment section here on today's episode of Let's Read Cougs. Uh, put forth by Major Powell, I believe that's how I'm saying if I'm butchering your username, uh, apologies, but he asked, is Jamal Shedd leaving Houston? And he also asked, is Tremont Mark leaving Houston? And uh, I'll preface, I'll let whoever wants to take it first go ahead and take it, but I don't see them living I certainly see them testing out the NBA waters and kind of getting feedback from them and going from there but I'd be hard to see both of them or either of them leave for the NBA but we've seen in the past that various factors that go into that decision Tremont Mark was actually asked about it post game in the locker room and he chose not to comment at all on it well I mean I think they will test waters and they'll get the NBA advisory council to um give them feedback on it. I don't believe either one of them ready for the NBA, but again, it doesn't, it only takes one team. I think both guys are second round grades at best. And I would not advise any young person to stay in the draft unless you are, are a first round grade. It's your choice. It depends on your financial situation, all those things, but second round, that's not what to me, that's not, if you just want to leave college to be a second-round pick, that's your choice. A second-round projection, that's your choice. You know, Armani Brooks, Nate Hinton, those guys did that. They were mistakes when they did it. They're bouncing around the G League now, trying to stay on that grind, pursuing that NBA dream. Hey, God bless you. I wouldn't advise that for folks. But it's your personal choice. 
If you are a first round grade, go. If you're not, then it's up to you what you want to do, what you believe in. If you're going to better yourself, okay. But if whoever, if anybody decides to leave, you know what? I do believe what I know. Coach Kelvin Sampson, Kellen Sampson, Quantus White, Casey Beard, Hollis Price will find somebody else to, to, to fit in the system and keep it moving. Yeah, the second um, – yeah, I, I can agree with that, Chris, for sure. Uh, uh, but I guess it just depends on everyone's situation. And uh, some – I mean, some of these players – Armani Brooks was what, a second-year player when he uh, declared, or was it – Yeah, was he was he a third? sophomore. He would have been a – Yeah. He would have been a junior, correct, had he stayed yeah. for that 2019-20 yeah. season? Yeah, I think he was, he was averaging maybe 13 points, 14 points a game at best. Um, I think he was a junior. It, oh, was he? I oh, think so. Okay. I, I might be thinking about Nate. Oh, Hinton. Yeah, Nate, Hinton. Of Nate, yeah. Nate was, yeah. Yeah. Nate was a sophomore. Yes. Yeah. Nate, Nate was yeah. a sophomore, but I think if, if you think, you know, you're going to, cause there, you know what your, your, your ceiling is as far as like getting drafted. Um, some of those play like Nate Hinton offensively was not, is not as gifted. Armani was a little, he was more three and D as well. Uh, he and didn't his have, size was really a factor for him. Yeah, but I mean, he was a good six, six, three, good six, four. So it's, I mean, it wasn't too big of a factor. I, I still think Armani should be getting looks in the NBA right now, even though he, I think, is he still in the G League? He still I is. Believe. He doesn't do anything, yeah. he doesn't do anything yeah. else well. What else does he do, do well for the NBA? Yeah, but you know, there are a lot of guys that have made a living off of three and D in the NBA. It's not which, like, which I think indicates the fact that Armani's not in the NBA. Mm. He's not consistent enough at that. Yeah, but it was also a little. I mean, you know, Chris, it's about situation as well. Like, and he was on the Rockets. Sure. I don't think that was. I th- I thought he still should have had you know that 14th, 15th roster spot. That was just my opinion, and maybe a little bias. But um, but yeah, it's everyone's case is different. I'm not. We should. We're probably. We shouldn't. We're not gonna fault anyone for just no. throwing their their names in the hat. Um, but definitely, if if you're a second year, third year guy, like it doesn't hurt to stay an extra year in the case of Sasser it didn't hurt it's just he maybe he like Dayon said maybe he did improve his draft stock just a tad bit um and if yeah definitely why not just finish out an extra year if you think you're you know you're gonna be able to play in the NBA for a while and the question about who should the Cougars sign the portal oh well I was gonna move on to another topic but go ahead that's a good question what's that as well (laughs) depends on who leaves you know, if if certain players leave, then they got to go fill those those needs in the portal, which won't be a problem because this program want to play for Houston. Yes, exactly. Which is another indication of how far this program has come in in these nine years. This is a destination for talented players to get a shot at the NBA, to get the freedom to to be a, a scoring guard and to, to develop. So I'm I'm not worried <laughs> about. You know, if anybody leaves, somebody will be they'll be replaced on to the next. And then it'll be a culture fit and the, the staff will get the right guys to fit this system and move on. And like I did want to bring up this comment by GRX engine via the Lazarin law firm comment section. This is a heavy question. Did this team underachieve? And after the game in the locker room that they allowed me to go into, 
the whiteboard it's set there for the Houston Cougars where uh, Kelvin Sampson had it had one simple writing on it. Kelvin Sampson put 33 and four. That was the message to the team. Obviously, they underachieved in the sense that they didn't reach their ultimate goal, which was to win and hold up the national championship at NRG Stadium in Houston. Just a few days from now, I ended up losing in the Sweet 16. But record-wise, 33 and four, they did win the American Athletic Conference regular season championship. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see. It, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they did underachieve. I mean, there's no questions about it. What say y'all? Uh, I mean, the goal was to win the championship. But in the sense of they had so many freshmen on this team that they kind of depended on, maybe not. But you look at it in this case, last year's team had seven players made it to the Elite Eight. This year's team was healthier had a five-star player, a lottery pick, and lost in the Sweet 16. So in that sense, you could say they underachieved. But overall, 33-4, younger players you're counting on. Um, Coach Sampson said this team was a good team. It was one of the teams that had a chance to win a championship. They just didn't get it done uh, Friday night against Miami. They play Miami on Sunday. Could be a different issue. But that's, that's again, March Madness is one, one and done. done. <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. One and done. There might be a time in the next two, three years, or wh- whoever, who knows how, when, when a less talented Cougar team wins it all. And then we'd they, be like, well, yeah. we never saw that. <laughs> we never saw it coming. Yeah. But this that team find a way to win championship. That could happen because that's what, I mean, FAU. Look at the team's last to remain. You know, so this year is just one of those strange cases that really March Madness, in a nutshell, a lot of teams that no one thought would be still playing, still playing. And the four one seeds are not. Yeah, I don't Well, speaking don't of that, but real quickly, I could the uh, Texas yeah. Longhorns officially clinched their elite eighth berth and will be playing against Miami for a shot at playing at NRG Stadium. Uh, up a week from, or I guess a week from Saturday in the Final Four. Yeah, I just want to say I don't think they UH under, under underachieved. I mean, if you look at the roster that they had, it wasn't the most deep team, honestly. Like you had five guys that could give you ten points or more, but then after that, you really didn't have anyone off the bench. Now those teams where I'll say Dejan Giroux, for example, was coming off the bench. Um, and making deep when they were making a, a deep run in the tournament, that that team was those teams are deep. Those teams probably had more in them to, you know, make it to the final four and, or more veterans, more veterans. And that's what you need in in the tournament is veteranship. And that's like we see this every single season is the, the team that has five guys that could be projected, you know, first, second rounders like those are not the teams that are winning um, the tournament. So I wouldn't say they underachieved. You know, as far as if you make a deep run, make it to a Sweet 16 is, is is more than enough as an accomplishment. Had they lost to, you know, in the first round to Northern Kentucky, like that would have been a different story. But I think uh, I think they did just fine, honestly, with the talent they had. And, and think about it before anybody else chimes in just real quick. Gonzaga and Houston. I think the Cougs, what, four straight Sweet 16s? Correct. Going is back there, to 2019. That's the second most. <laughs> four straight. So 
That's second in all of college basketball, men's college basketball. So is that underachieving? If you make it four straight, nobody else has, except the only team more, more than that is Gonzaga. No, I agree. Everything I kept saying was really what I was going to say. Like, I agree 100% they didn't underachieve for all the reasons that I kept saying. For sure, I don't think they underachieved at all. And I'm looking at uh, Miami's roster. Isaiah Wong, fourth-year junior. They're scary next year. They're Jordan Miller, fifth-year senior. Norshad Ormir, third-year sophomore. Nigel Pack, third-year sophomore. Uh, Poplar, sophomore. I, I haven't said a freshman, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, veterans. They got guys who've been in the wars. Anthony Walker, fourth-year junior. They didn't rely on three and four freshmen like Houston. Look at Kansas you know, State, too. Kansas State, a lot of veterans. Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga. Transfer portal, a lot of veterans. Alabama, a lot of freshmen. And ultimately, what happened to them? They lost, too. It's, you know, Texas veterans, Texas another team, you know, so veteran backcourt. Coach Sampson has told us for a while you win with guards, yes, wow. but you win with veteran guards, experienced guards, and that's how you get far in the tournament. And a lot of us say, Oh, coach, that's you know, coach speak more times than not, it's true. King Jaja's comment. Also, if you're going into the season thinking you are winning a natty, your expectations are too high. And he followed it up by saying, March Madness is a crazy tournament. Anyone can win. I think if you want to phrase it in from a disappointment standpoint, it's just much more in terms of where the Houston was unable to really make a, an answer to Miami's run. I think maybe that's the one thing where, again, disappointing not, may not be the right word, but it's just like it just felt like with the season that they had, it kind of, you didn't expect that to be the finish. You were expecting at least one final run to be able to, to make a fight. And it just never came. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the weird thing is Miami, after they had their three point barrage, that's when, you know, as the game wound down, began making turnovers. They finished with six. Yeah. They had five of those in probably the last five minutes, but the game was pretty much in hand. So because of Nigel Pack, in that three-point blitz he had in that two-minute span. And his threes were demoralizing to the Cougars. You know, I mean, they just hurt. They looked at it like, come on, man, he made another I, some one. Some of them, yeah, some you know, of them were like three, four steps back of the three-point line. You know, yeah, I mean, it was just, wow, he made that one. And he he made his season-high threes tonight, seven. Previous high was five. It's season nine points, 24. He had 26 tonight. It's just one of those things, man, you know, of the tournament. Dan said it throughout many of these LRC shows. The Cougs could have a problem with guards. A team that has guards that get hot. Najee Pack got hot tonight, and that's what happened. One and done. Miami moves on, and the Cougs are going home. Anyone would like to add before we kind of put a final bow on this episode and the season, really? Yeah, no, just I'm looking forward to next. Oh, go ahead, Akit. Oh, you got it, Dan. I'll try. Just looking forward to next season without Marcus, the freshman coming in. Look, you got what three post players, one guard. Don't know who they're going to add in the portal. If they do add into the portal, I think Houston is going to have a long season next year. Not only because they're going to be in the Big Twelve, 
but <clears throat> I'm not really I mean, I got to see the freshmen and the skill sets they bring. So I haven't seen them yet. So I can objectively <clears throat> have an opinion on them. But the core players that they have coming back, who I know is going to have some experience, like Jamal, Tremont. I, I want to see how his role is going to expand, how he's going to take that Emmanuel. next step in development. E Emmanuel, I want to see him too. Um, he, he showed flashes, but I want to see it. I got to see it before I can give an objective opinion on what he can be. And so I think Houston's going to have a, a long season. I don't know if they're going to have win 30 games next year. I think oh, I, would, gonna, I would not expect that. Oh, no. Yeah, me either. Me no, either. I think they're going to have a long season no. next year. But I think one of the other players that you could, I got to put in that category has got to be Terrence Arsenal, who, uh, again, didn't – a freshman didn't get too many opportunities, but he's someone that the coaching staff has been high on, and, and he's going to have the full summer now to be able to work with the coaches and continue to develop. And he has, again, going back to Walker when it comes to the intangibles, to develop into a really solid player. I think Terrence will have a better year next year, in my opinion, from what I saw of him than Emmanuel. I think he'll probably be in that start lineup, and he seems like a player, in my opinion, that plays better as he plays more. Now this year he was only getting little minutes and experience, not really to play through his mistakes. I think when he's able to play through his mistakes, he's able to play in rhythm, miss two or three shots, then he can come in, just play more freely. I think we'll see his game really, really take a next step. I really – what I saw from him, the game at Memphis, I think, when Marcus set out, the way he started that game and played his yeah. – it let me know that he got the it factor and everything that Coach Sampson says about him because now he just yeah. needs to learn how to sustain that level throughout a full game and a full season. So I'm expecting a big jump from Terrence. I think he got it. Emmanuel, I still got to see it, him. But uh, Terrence, in my opinion, from what I saw uh, a little bit, he got it for sure. Just got to put it all together. And, and let me say this, Akiba, you can chime in afterwards. If, if Jamal and Tremont come back – which we think they should, but you never know until the fall season starts. If they come back, Juwan Roberts comes back because his today's game for Juan Roberts, that's not how you want to end your college career, in my opinion. If he comes back, yeah. that's three of your starting five. That's a strong starting five right there. JVA. You, bring in, uh, you start JVA and Terrence Arsenal, man, that's a solid five. You know, with That's experience in three, the and then you bring in you got Terrence, who you believe in has a has a bright future. France has a bright future. I'm not expecting a lot from the incoming freshmen because they're freshmen, but I I've envisioned Emmanuel Sharp being just a a six man who could excel as a, a six Lou man. Will Jamal Crawford yeah. type. You know, yeah. yeah. But you got yeah. a core starting five right there, and then you add. A transfer, and then you got Malik Wilson could be a defensive guy, and he's yeah, he's and kind of and, and disrupt. Forgotten player. So Malik Wilson, Emmanuel Sharp, Ramon Walker, who comes back, that's eight right there. We're not even talking about the, the the freshman class coming in that's talented as well, but the key is Jamal and Tremont returning, because if they don't, then you got to go get hit the transfer portal hard. And then you gotta, you know, fit them in. It might take longer to fit them in. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting seeing what they do, how how they fare in the Big Twelve. I'm sure they'll be, you know, top four or five team, no doubt about that. It's just 
they're going to have to look for guys to – you still got to replace Marcus Sasser. It's not like, you know, he's – when he leaves, we'll have someone easy to – someone yeah. filling his shoes easily. It's not going to be that easy. We had – whenever we – the previous teams had guys that were – like Marcus Sasser himself was like a backup role, and he came into this role. We don't have that That's guy. That's a great point. We don't have that guy this season, so – Well, you know uh, – it's an yeah. all-American, Could so it's not easy to replace an all-American. <laughs> yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I mean, but we saw, like, Dejan Giroux, when he was coming up, he was getting minutes as a freshman, sophomore, then he came into his own, and you saw Corey Davis. Same thing with him. I did not see that this season. Maybe we'll see that next season with one of the one of the, one of of the the guys like Terrence Arsenault or, um, or Emmanuel Sharp, but I didn't see that from us this season, and uh, – it's gonna it's gonna be a rough it's gonna be a rough season. It's not gonna be the easiest. It's the Big Twelve. I, I, well, define rough. From on Mark. Yeah. Well, rough meaning rough. We're not gonna be winning every almost every expected to win every single game. That's what. When well, I that say just rough. comes with the conference. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a twenty win team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we've yeah. seen, you can lose eight, nine, t- nine, ten times in the conference and still get into the Big ten Twelve. Get the still get in the consideration. <laughs> you know, so, but, but one last on thing, and you close it out real quick. One last thing. We might be shocked at some elite guy in the portal decide to come to Houston. Some sniper, you know, some Adam Flagler type player say, Coach, I'm going to come come to Houston because I think I can help y'all. Y'all can help me. Who knows? If they get that for that three-point shooting, you know, onward and upward. Sass- Sasser spot's open, so someone can feel that. You can find some. I mean, to that comment, Ooh. I think if you want to Ooh. pick from the roster, you you would have to say that if Tremont Mark comes Tremont. back, it has to be, yeah, it yeah, got to be, be Tremont. That spot. Yeah. Most definitely. But that's going to do it for the final Let's Rage Cougs of the season. Once again, Let's Rage Cougs was presented by the Saxonian family all year long. Of course, we want to say thank you to each and every single sponsor that was a partner throughout the entire season. Hoop and Holler, Star Pizza, BB's, Tex Orleans, Harding Real Estate, and at tonight's comment section, which was sponsored by Lazarin Law Firm, those five respective businesses for being a sponsor on today's episode of Let's Fridge Cougs. And of course, we can't say thank you enough to all of you guys that tuned in and watched. If you watched a single minute at any point in the season, obviously our tuning in for tonight's episode we can't say thank you to you guys enough for really allowing this this show to take take off and actually um i mean every game effortita center those people saying let's rage or you know giving props to the show which we can never say thank you enough for that and year one and it was a success so chris like you always say onward and upward but we'll go we'll go around the table down i'll go to you first because i know you have to log off working at people find you and of course um any final closing comments um you can find me on all social media at dayon dunlap um love being part of the show hopefully you guys continue to allow me to be a part of the show going forward i enjoyed it i love um the platform that we've built the momentum that we've built and have we constantly grown so like andy said appreciate all the supporters thank you guys and always just go cougs yeah, y- y'all can find me at Akib Ghazi MMA um, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, and great season. Honestly, you know, some might be down about it, about today's game, but it was a great season overall. And I'm Chris Gardner, Houston Round Bar Review. See me on Twitter at ZHR Review. Andy, that's another example. Well, here 
in Kansas City in the arena, had a Kook fan come up to me and uh, thanked me for the show and and, the, and gave us props for what we do. So that's just another indication of, of that's another sign. We thank you. We're being, we know folks watch. We tune in. We, we appreciate that. We're going to continue providing this content for you. And just because the season is over, we're still going to provide content for you on Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube and Paul Slamma Jamma as well on YouTube. So don't go away. We still got Cougs uh, content to give you throughout the summer, throughout the off season, and then once the season starts in football and basketball, because folks, Big 12 official start is July 1st. So we're going to have content for you there. So just stay tuned to the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. And as always, I appreciate it, everyone, all your support, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, Chris, you I couldn't have said it any better. But, of course, I just want to, again, reiterate saying thank you to everyone. Thank you to the families of the players that have stepped up to us and, and said that they not only if they watch the show, but they enjoy it. That's an awesome compliment to get as well. Every single person at the Fertitta Center that, that we've interacted with, um, I just can't say thank you enough, really. That's the, that's the biggest takeaway out of everything. It came as a vision, and it grew. And this is actually, you guys can't tell, but this is the first ever Let's Rage Cougs with a live studio audience. We have an audience of one here off screen. Uh, Ryan Monceau of GoCougs.com, who was obviously a sponsor with HRU and I throughout the course of the season. Uh, Ryan's waving and happily saying, I what? He said he is very proud of the show and, and hates Uber. That's what he said. But, <laughs> of course, we – I mean, thank you. That's all I can say. Wrap it up. Thank you once again. The final score from Kansas City, Miami, beats Houston 89-75 to in the Sweet 16 to – they themselves advance to the Elite Eight. That's it for the Houston Cougars season. And, Chris, like you said – now the attention turns to the Big 12. Thank you to everyone. This has been Let's Rich Coops presented by the Sixinian family. And until next time, we're signing off.